This is Christian Questions. Dr. MacArthur once said, The soldier, above all others, prays for peace, for it is the soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and scars of war. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose. With Jonathan and Rick, this isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. And Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. And Jonathan, what's happening? What's going on? What are we talking about? Well, Rick, our question for this morning is, what makes a true Christian soldier? And our theme text is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And we are going to be talking about soldierhood this morning. And, and Jonathan, there are many analogies that depict the life of a Christian. Growing as wheat, for one, being sheep, being fishers of men, being a member of a body, growing from a baby to adulthood, brotherhood, and being a soldier. Now, how is it that we who are followers of the Lamb of God can possibly be depicted as soldiers, fighting a war with weapons, no less, and eventually vanquishing our enemy? Folks, stay with us as we look at what it takes to be a true soldier, a true soldier of Christ. Well, Rick, I miss you. You're not in the studio. Where are you? Oh, you miss me. I do. Oh, isn't that a nice thing? (laughs) Actually, Trish and I are down in Chesapeake, Virginia, uh, and we also, we're down here visiting our son, Tim, and his uh, wife, Sharon, and uh, Tim is going to be our special guest this morning. Tim, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Tim is uh, Tim is currently serving in, in the United States Coast Guard, and we thought that if we were doing a program and being a soldier in Christ, we might talk to an actual uh, person who is in the military and see what it's like and draw the parallels that are necessary to, to make that conversation work. What a unique idea. Yeah, and you know, we happen to have the guy handy right here, and uh, we've got his lovely wife, Sharon, here. Sharon, come over here and say hello. We have to hear from you. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. <laughs> and how long have you and Tim been married? Almost a year now. Oh, almost a year. So we've got Tim and Sharon here at the dining room table in Tim's house in Chesapeake, Virginia. So, Jonathan, let's get started with this thing. Uh, let's talk about being a soldier. And the first thing about being a soldier, I think, important is answering the call to a cause. Uh, we're going to be flipping back between being an actual soldier and being a soldier of Christ and drawing parallels between the two, both of which have uh, the, the cause. And, and when there is a cause, when there's something that you respond to, there are typically defining moments in your life that help you to respond to that cause. So let's start with just the, the Christian perspective on those defining moments. Let's look at Matthew 4, verses 18 to 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, 
for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now, you got to understand that the call of the apostles in some cases seemed to be an immediate response. But in the case of Peter, we have to remember, he was drawn to Jesus three separate times over a period of time, and then he finally left for good to follow him forever. So let, let's continue with that. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. In a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Okay, so you have this sense of, okay, I'm doing what I normally do, and now there's something else that I should be doing that's much bigger, much more important, and in this case we see people literally dropping what they did and moving on to something that is bigger than, than them. They're just mere fishermen. They're, they're, they're nothing special from the outside, but God obviously saw something special uh, with them on the inside. So as we look at this whole call thing and, 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 and getting started and responding to a call, Tim, i got to ask you, first of all, how long have you been serving in the Coast Guard so far? Uh, just over six years. Over six years. Now, I can attest to the fact that growing up, you were a tough kid to raise. I don't know about all that, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yes, you know about all that. And, uh, you know, you certainly didn't like to take instruction. No. You certainly didn't like structure. So why the heck did you get involved in something like the Coast Guard? Tell us what happened or what, what drove you to that kind of a decision for your life. Um, I, I decided that I wanted to try the law enforcement field, so I'd applied to a bunch of uh, police departments in the, in the greater New Haven area. And you know, I did well in all the exams and whatnot, but a lot of, it, a lot of the problem was is that I had no experience. Uh, they hire a lot of ex-military, a lot of guys who actually understand the job and uh, I'd only had a trade under my belt. So I decided, well, let me try something that'll give me a little more experience. And so in looking, we decided that the Coast Guard was a viable option, so we decided to give it a try. Now, there were some challenges at the very beginning before you uh, entered the Coast Guard. Uh, specifically, and, and the rules in, uh, since then have changed, but specifically at that time, they were very uh, restrictive about tattoos, right? Yeah. And you had a tattoo on your back that went up above the neckline, and the Coast Guard would not allow that. That's correct. So just, just for, for, the, for the sake of the listeners, talk to them about the conversation that, that you and I had, oh, six years ago now, uh, um, about what are you going to do? Well, we were sitting um, in the little area in the, in the living room and trying to figure out what I was going to do, and half of me said, well, you know, I'm just gonna, not going to do it because i got to either find a plastic surgeon or i got to go get uh, laser removal, and is it really worth it? And we sat there for probably a couple of an hour or so, and the question just came up, so what's stopping you? I'm like, well, um, yeah, I guess, and there was no answer. And it finally, over a lot of prodding, realized that there was no reason. There's no valid excuse not to, to follow... Uh, a dream or a, a, a desire to, to serve if it's something as small as a, a minor surgery. So we decided to make that make that leap, make that move, and we never looked back from there. And, well, and, and folks, i got to tell you, I'm, I'm his dad. I was there. And, and the thing about it is, is, you know, he says there's a little prodding. Basically, I said, what are you, a wimp? <laughs> <laughs> hey, a little prodding. You know? <laughs> and, 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 and here's the thing, and here's where we begin to draw the parallels. 
Tim, what is it you want to do with your life? And I remember having that conversation. And he said, well, I want to serve. I want to be in the Coast Guard. I want, this is what I want to do. I said, then what is stopping you? And, and, and like you said, there's that, well, but, but I said, come on. Is that what you really want from your life? And, and folks, I'll never forget it. Uh, what happened at that moment was he got quiet, and then he got that look on his face, that completely determined look that he used to get when he was a rebellious teenager that I would have to fight against. And this time, fortunately, it was that look that I felt like, okay, here it is. He's finally arrived. He turned around. He went to the computer. He started typing in and looking for a way to take care of that thing on his, uh, on his neck so that he could be accepted. And he did it, and like, and like you said, he never looked back. So the first parallel, the first point here that we want to draw in terms of, of serving is you're drawn, you're, you're, you're pulled to something that's bigger than you. And, and serving in the Coast Guard, which is a very honorable thing to do, it's a cause that's bigger than you. And, and Tim, now how, how big is the Coast Guard? Because it's a very small uh, part of the military. Yeah, there's more people in the New York City Police Department than there is in the entire Coast Guard. Isn't there like 40-something it's- thousand? Couple, about 42, between 42 and 46,000 people in the Coast Guard. And the entire Coast Guard. And the entire Coast Guard. Okay, so it's a very small group, uh, but a very well-knit group, as we're going to see. So there's always a cost. There's always a cost to any call that's worthwhile, and it, it costs you something to get that tattoo removed from your net, right? Yeah, it most certainly didn't. <laughs> Physically and uh, uh, from the pocket. Uh, but you did it. Yep. And... Uh, uh, six years ago, Tim went off to boot camp. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. But, Jonathan, there's always a cost to any call that's worthwhile. Let's look at, look at Luke chapter 9, verse, and let's just read verses 23 and 24. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. So for the Christian soldier, it is to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And, and Tim, we're going to be talking about this in great detail, but there's a, got to be a lot of self-denial in doing what you do. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you come second to the needs of the service. Okay, and, and again, that's, that's just one of the things we want to, to dwell on. Folks, listen, if you have a thought, if you have a question, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday morning from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and again, our subject, What Makes a True Christian Soldier? And, Tim, what are you doing now in the Coast Guard? Where are you're, you're changing what you started out doing? Just, just talk about really quickly what you started out with and where you are now. Um, I started out doing the, uh, the search and rescue mission for the Coast Guard. And um, over the years, my, my want to, be, to do law enforcement continued. And uh, now I specialize um, or try to specialize in, in, in law enforcement, maritime law enforcement, counterterrorism, things of that nature. That's heavy duty stuff. It 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 can be a little interesting, yes. <laughs> and you're you're currently actually in a training program for that. Yes, I'm going through a training program right now for the for the unit that I'm in, in order to get us up to speed to be part of their teams. 
Okay, and we're going to be talking about the value of those teams and what they do and, and how they work and, and so forth because that's all a very important thing and, and the value of teamwork uh, being a, a dedicated soldier, if you will. Not only a dedicated soldier in a military, but a dedicated soldier of Christ. And, and there's incredible parallels. And, and Jonathan, one of the things that I was impressed with as I was getting ready for this program is how many scriptures there are that speak of the, the, the parallel of being a soldier in battles uh, and, and being a Christian. And that, that's a wonderful thing, Rick. And I know Tim very well, and I know that one of his purposes was helping people, you know, standing up for those that were, were hurt or harmed uh, unjustly. You know, he's such a good person, and he wants to help, and I've always appreciated that about him. Yeah, and, and you know, the Coast Guard is that is just that. It is, is, is really there to guard and, and protect, and, and that is a wonderful thing. Let's, let's talk about, just very quickly before this, this segment ends, uh, you've got to know what your call is about. Let's go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So for the Christian, it's presenting your body a living sacrifice to God through Jesus. And Tim and the Coast Guard, and we'll get into this in detail, but it is presenting your body a living sacrifice, isn't it? Yeah, some, yeah there's something like that. There's a lot of uh, physical demands and, and physical, emotional demands on your body and your mind in order to do the job the way it needs to be done. All right, so there's a physical sense to it. Now, Jonathan, let's read verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So, spiritually, we have to renew our minds and to be transformed. And going into the situation of the Coast Guard, there was a mental transformation. Yes, there was, yes there's a difference between being a civilian and being in the military, whatever service you decide to join. And that transformation began at boot camp, right? Yes, begins there, and it doesn't really stop there. It continues throughout your career as you learn more about your service and your, your, your driving force. So we have the sense that, again, with, with both the military and being a true Christian soldier, there are things that have to happen, but already what we're seeing as we just take a very general look in this first segment is those things that have to happen are happening over a period of time, but they have beginning defining points, and they have beginning places where you start them. And sometimes starting feels like it's a lot, but it's only the beginning. It's only an introduction. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Rick's son, Tim. And our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian soldier? Coming up, we know how hard boot camp is in the military. Is there a boot camp for the Christian walk? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Rick's son, Tim, currently serving in the Coast Guard. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian soldier? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And uh, I am sitting here in uh, Chesapeake, Virginia at uh, Tim and Sharon's home. Uh, we're sitting at the dining room table. 
um, having a, a conversation about being a, a, a true soldier, a true Christian soldier, and being a soldier, what it takes. And, and Tim, as you were uh, getting ready and you, you agreed to do this program, you talked to quite a few of your uh, Coast Guard buddies about what we're doing here. Yeah, I've got a couple guys that I'm stationed with on uh, going through the same process that I am that are devout Christians, and so I bounced some of the ideas off, and we had some real good conversation about what it means to be a soldier and to be a Christian, and the struggles that you may have in making those decisions. All right, and, and that's something that we will certainly uh, be talking about uh, as we go through the program. And so, so Jonathan, in this in this segment, what we really want to focus on is, is personal transformation and what is the Christian's true mission. And we're going to be talking about mission and boot camp and all of that as we develop this. But focus, uh, folks, focus on that. What is the Christian's true mission? If you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five toll free. 866-985-4ALL. Again, we're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And Rick, I kind of uh, wrote down a little mission statement uh, of my my own, and very similar to Tim wanting to help others um, that have need. And I wrote down, God is calling a heavenly bride for his son Jesus to bless all the families of the earth. And I really feel that that's a very noble cause. And I uh, believe you're right, and I'm right there with you. Uh, you and I are soldiers together, and we're going to be talking about the teamwork aspect as we develop this. So, Jonathan, let's get started with the scripture here. Let's focus on boot camp. Let's focus on breaking down and building up and either surviving it or being transformed by it. Is there a boot camp for Christianity? First Peter 4, uh, 12 to 17. Beloved, be not surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. So there, up to that point, it says, don't be surprised if you're hit upside the head with trials and tribulations and difficulties. This should not surprise you. This is part of what you signed up for because there is a development process that happens here. And let's continue with that verse. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first... What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So, again, if you're reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed. So if you are tried, if you're tested, if you are in a difficult situation, that's what you signed up for. So, so Tim, when you got involved with the Coast Guard, the first thing they do is they put you into boot camp. Now, I know that was six years ago, but give, what was boot camp like? Boot camp is meant to be a shock to the system. Um, you can play sports, play on a team, and think you've had structure, but again, in every boot camp for every service is a little bit different, but the, the goal is the same, is to break down the individual and teach them to be part of something bigger than they are. And then obviously the customs and courtesies, and, and you learn about your service, where it came from, and what your mission is. Um, but it's really a... a a time to be tested is over and over again to see what you're made of, to see if you are you have what what it takes to serve your fellow man. All right. So now the testing. 
I mean, obviously, everybody knows about the physical rigors of boot camp. Would you say the physical testing was harder, or was it the mental testing, or could you not even distinguish between the two? For me, it was more the mental testing. Um, physically, there was a lot of physical work, but for me, mentally, not being the most um, organized, and uh, I didn't really like taking orders. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let, let me interject there. I'm your father. <laughs> you hated taking orders, and you organization wasn't even in your vocabulary. No. Okay, I just want to make it real. Okay. Right. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a whole new, it's a whole new ball game when all of a sudden you can't do anything without being told to. And if you are told, to, when you do have to do something, you have to do it a specific way. You have to eat a specific way. You walk a specific way. You talk a specific way at a ter- certain volume. Everything is ma- micromanaged, and they do that to break you of those habits because you are not no longer an an individual. You're um, you're a Coast Guard member. You're a soldier, mm-hmm. and that's supposed to mean something. So when you say you're a Coast Guard member, you're a soldier. That means that you are one of many. Yeah, absolutely. And in our service, being a lot smaller than than other services. Um, you have your roles are different, but uh, granted, I've only been to the Coast Guard boot camp, but I have friends who were in other services, and it's the same thing. You become one of many. You become part of the Army, the Navy, the Coast Guard, the Marines, the Air Force. You are now part of this giant organization that protects our homeland. So now that was the boot camp. Now you've gone through some pretty rigorous training since. And I mean, you just you just finished a, a training program for the, uh, the the anti-terrorism unit you're working on. Yeah, that's yes. And and w- would you w- was that harder than the, than boot camp? It was. It was a lot harder than boot camp. The the unit that I'm at now definitely put us all through a very rigorous training evolution. So so. Here's the thing, folks. You know, when you think about it, we always think about, oh, boot camp is where you got to go through, you got to prove your mettle. But actually, boot camp is the introduction to a continuous proving of who you are and what you're made of. And the training actually gets more difficult as you go versus uh, more more easily accomplished. Um, Tim, just one quick thing on the training that you were talking to me about yesterday. Tell me about pull-ups. What, what's the what's the goal for doing pull-ups? I mean. I used to be able to do a lot of pull-ups. I can maybe do two now. <laughs> what are they? What are they looking for from you when you do pull-ups? Just just pull-ups. Well, based on the type of gear we carry, we, we carry at least sixty pounds of gear at, um, at all times when we're doing the mission. So you have to be able to do five and five, five pulls and five chin-ups to do certain evolutions because you know you need to be able to pull up your body weight. Um, there are those of us who I train with now who. This was recommended to us by those who are already qualified on the teams to do the weighted pull-ups, to be able to pull up your body weight plus 60, 70, 80 pounds so that if you're climbing up a ladder on the side of a ship and you lose your footing, you can actually pull your body up and you're not toast. So you pull-ups with the 60, 70, or 80 extra pounds. Yeah. There you go. Okay, folks, there's a little bit of a challenge, especially for somebody as old as me. Um, all right, Jonathan, let's go back to some of the scriptures. And, and again, we're looking at the rigors of, of boot camp and the mental and physical testing. And, again, we're going to develop those things as we go. But First Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, gives us a sense of being a soldier for Christ. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? 
but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that, after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So here with this text, it's talking about running a race, but the analogies still fit. Uh, you exercise self-control in all things, uh, and you, you are not running without aim. And to be a soldier of Christ means that your whole goal in life is to put your own will aside and to take on the will of Christ without exception, without, uh, without rest, without anything else, just focusing on that one thing. You're and, listening and to Christian Questions with Jonathan and Rick with our special guest, Tim, uh, Rick's son, and he's currently serving in the Coast Guard. And our subject, what makes a true Christian soldier? If you have a thought, give us a call at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And folks, you want to go to Seeker Rewind, the full edition at ChristianQuestions.com. It is a free service that we offer that gives you a synopsis of uh, today's program. It's uh, something you sign up for at the website, ChristianQuestions.com. And it's a PDF file. And, and Jonathan, word has it that we're going to have uh, a few pictures of Tim on this week's Rewind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even one when he was a little, little baby, just to give you a sense of what it means to grow up. Just saying. See if you rewind the full edition, you can sign up. Uh, it's a free service at ChristianQuestions.com. So the idea of a Christian soldier is focusing your all on doing the will of God through Christ. And it takes the same kind of discipline and the same kind of focus that it does to go uh, and, and to be developed as a, as, a, as a soldier in the world in which we live. Tim, I want to talk to you just very quickly uh, about the uniform. You, you put on the uniform of the Coast Guard. What, is that, what does that mean to you? What does that do? What, what, what happens when you put the uniform on? Um, the uniform for all services, I mean, you represent something now so much larger than yourself. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of other services with the Army and the Marines, they represent those who have gone overseas and, and gone through those places and, and fought the wars and protected our country. And I haven't had the, the opportunity or the, the honor of serving overseas as they have. Our, our, our mission is, is different. Um, but the same concept applies. Uh, if you really believe in what you're doing, the uniform signifies what you stand for or it should signify what you stand for. And, and the interesting thing is after boot camp, one of the conversations I had with Tim was uh, we, we, we wrote letters back and forth during boot camp because his, his communication was, was very limited and it had to be short letters uh, in writing. But one of the things, folks, that Tim would tell me is, Dad, you got to understand, when I put on the uniform, it's different. It's something I've never experienced before. I'm part of something that's so much bigger than myself. And for the Christian, it's the same thing. Jonathan, let's go to Galatians chapter 3, uh, and let's just read verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. All right, so you've clothed yourself with Christ. What that means is you have put on the uniform of Christ at your baptism. 
And the thing about this is once you put that uniform on, you never take it off. Uh, one, one more, Jonathan, let's go to Colossians uh, chapter 3. Let's read verses 12 and then skip down to verse 14. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds together everything in perfect harmony. So not only do we clothe ourselves with Christ at the, at the outset, and it's kind of like signing up for boot camp. That's what you say you're going to do, but then you learn to clothe yourself with these other things, with the characteristics of Christ, with compassion and kindness, humility and meekness and patience, and most of all with love. So for a Christian soldier, the parallel to the uniform is striking. You put it on, and you now represent something that uh, is no longer about you. It's about everybody, everybody that you're serving with. And, Tim, you're right now, I mean, you, when you and I were talking about this yesterday, one of the big things in your mind w- that, that you kept coming back to was the teamwork aspect. Teamwork is, especially now when in the line of work that I'm going into, is the most important thing. You're nothing without your team. Um, an individual can't do the mission. <clears throat> It's impossible for one individual to do the mission, but it is possible for a team to do the mission. And brotherhood. And, and and the missions are so much bigger. I mean, we're talking about life and death and danger and all of these kinds of things. And without everybody doing exactly their part, it, it's. I mean, you would be afraid. Absolutely, and it's trusting in the guy next to you on the right or the left that they're going to protect you and do their job so that you can do yours, and you know, you all come back together and. Again, being in the Coast Guard, I'm, I'm be, just being introduced to this. We, again, I have friends in other services where, you know, that, that brotherhood stays forever because you're in, you're in peril. All right, and so with Christianity, it ought to be the same thing. It ought to be the same thing. It ought to be we are focused on accomplishing this mission, but it's not about me. It's about the brotherhood of Christ doing it together. You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick, with our special guest, Rick's son, Timothy, currently serving in the Coast Guard. Coming up, in the military, mental and physical focus is a must. As a Christian soldier, isn't being saved enough? Do we really have to work at it? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick, with our special guest, Rick's son, Tim, and he's currently serving in the Coast Guard. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian soldier? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And, folks, again, we want to encourage you to go to ChristianQuestions.com and check out Seeker Rewind, the full edition. We, it's something you sign up for. It is an absolutely free service. There is no obligation. It is a transcript, basically a partial transcript of our two-hour programs from every Sunday morning. And what it does is it puts what we've talked about on paper with graphics and illustrations. It makes it easier to understand and something that you can take with you. So, again, ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, let's talk about mental focus. Let's talk about maturing now as a soldier. We've, we've touched a little bit on the boot camp experience. There's a lot of, and one of the things that impresses me is boot camp is hard, but the later training is even harder. Boot camp 
sets you up to become what you need to become, and all of the later trainings uh, make you become what you need to become. So the first point here is mental focus. Where does your mind go to keep you from breaking uh, or, or keep you from distraction? Now, for the Christian, our mind should go to our true north. What's our true north? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that scripture talks about fixing your eyes uh, on Jesus. So that's kind of the long-term uh, uh, dedication. And then it talks about consider him, and that means to meditate. So there's that long-term focus and the short-term focus for the Christian soldier. And being a Christian soldier is a lot of work, and it's hard, and it's a lifetime of dedication and sacrifice. So, Tim, let's go back to your ex- personal experience being in the Coast Guard, uh, mental focus uh, and experience and, and observations. Let's talk about working through pain. Um, <laughs> and you didn't see the smile, but you had a very specific experience with that in, in your last training sessions. I did. I was um, in a about an eight-week training session. We had hit the last three-week stretch, which is a, they isolate us from everything else and it's training. Basically, we're up at four, we're in bed by 11, 12 at night, whatever, all day. I ended up um, rolling my ankle pretty bad the second day. Uh, it turned out, I didn't realize this till two and a half or three weeks later, I tore two, two full tears, a partial tear, and a microfracture on my ankle bone. Um, and then two and a half weeks of, of training on that. And again, I wasn't the only one who had to deal with that type of, in, or those types of injuries while doing this training. So working through pain. So did you say, oh, I hurt my foot. Can I sit down today? You can't do that. I mean, granted, we're only in training, but myself and another individual uh, who's a good friend of mine who had a, a stress fracture in his uh, shin bone, he, it's more important to fight through the pain until they tell you you're not allowed to go any farther because the guys that you're going through training with are the guys you're going to be on the team with. And if they need to be able to trust that no matter what, you're there for them and that if the mission comes and things don't go as planned or something happens, that you're going to fight no matter what is going on. And you talked to me about you know some of those long 8- or 10-mile runs that you go on you know, with the pain and, and, you know, whatever is gone wrong with your physical body, you know, running through till, till you're numb? That's the best part is when your, your, your <laughs> limbs go numb. Uh, we do kit marches, which is, you know, you're full gear and, and, and you march. And, again, if in the Army or any other service, you would know that. Um, and the first mile or two is never fun. And then, finally, the affected area usually goes numb. And as long as you keep moving, it doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> And again, what a great illustration for the effort that is required not only to be a physical soldier, but a Christian soldier fighting through whatever it is for the sake of Christ. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Yeah. uh, uh, Thank you for your service. Uh, We feel safer because of it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate uh, the parental rapport, uh, Rick. Hi, and, and uh, I'm sure you, your mother too, Tim. How you must have discussed this matter. I, I think I appreciate that the parental uh, 
discussion and consultation. And uh, I believe uh, this uh, thing that you're in, it, uh, the, the whole scenario here connecting to Scripture, I think, is cleverly done. And uh, it exemplifies uh, singleness of purpose or a commitment. You've got to be committed to, to uh, whatever you're doing. And uh, also, I cannot help it, uh, you know, the wife and I, we've been married uh, uh, almost 58 years. So uh, your marriage, Tim, that's a, that's a challenge, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a challenge for him. He should meet his wife, Julius. His wife is wonderful. <laughs> that's, that's, nice. that's nice to hear that. <laughs> uh, yeah, one final thing about the uh, tattoo. Uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite sayings that... Uh, in the deciding process, it's uh, it's so much. It's easy to do what you have to do, but deciding what to do is the most challenging part of it. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. Good day. Bye bye. All right, and uh, again, appreciate Julius uh, checking in with us on the on the matter here at hand. Um, John, let, let's talk about you know Tim. Tim was talking about you know the focus and, and focusing on the team and and what it is your mind goes to and and working through the pain. And let's just touch very quickly Philippians four uh, six to eight. We don't have time for the whole thing, but let's just jump down to verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence. If there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So get your mind focused on the things that are going to keep you going. And, and, and Tim, you've mentioned several times that focusing on your part as part of the team and being able to be relied upon is the most important thing. It's not about me. It's about the team accomplishing the team's mission, and it's not about me. I have to just do my part. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is. You, be, you become less of an individual um, the more you you move on, and in this line of work, the law enforcement side of the house, um, because you are only as good as the unit. So, and the unit is only as good as its weakest link. Absolutely. So, whatever it is, you you continue to focus. Now, uh, Jonathan, let's go on to another scripture. And again, we don't have time for all of these scriptures, but they, they will be in their in their full quotation and seek your rewind the full edition. So you can sign up for that at ChristianQuestions.com. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 4. Jonathan, let's just read uh, verses 3 and 4. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlists him as a soldier. So suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. And it's interesting, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy Paul, Timothy is not his physical son, but he's his spiritual son, and he's giving him guidance and direction. And, and i got to tell you, Tim, one of the reasons that we named you Timothy was because of that relationship between Paul and Timothy. And it's striking to me that most of the guidance of being a soldier in Christ is from Paul to his son. And I just was fascinated with that as I was preparing for this particular program. So suffer hardship with me as a good soldier in Christ. And folks, listen, our, our first hour is almost gone if we're not on in your area in the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, hit Listen Live, and stay with us, because we've got so much more coming. We're going to talk about how does, 
how does faith help you as a, as a physical soldier and as a, a spiritual soldier? And I'm going to ask, we're going to talk about balancing faith in Christ and being a soldier, and, and how do you do that? So those are some of the things coming up in the second hour. Again, ChristianQuestions.com, hit Listen Live, go to one of the links there, and uh, stay with us for that conversation. Hey, Rick, on a personal note, uh, just wanted the listeners to know, when, whenever you uh, send an email to me or to others, um, a brethren in Christ, you often sign it, your fellow soldier in Christ. Yes, I do. Why is uh, that? Why? Because that's what I believe. I, be- I truly believe that I am just another soldier, just like everybody else, and that we are in a battle and we need to build each other up all the time together. And, and you're right, I always do that. I, I sign emails, your fellow soldier in Christ, because that's the way I see myself, as a, as a fellow soldier. Um, let's talk about the physical focus. Tim, we were talking about the mental focus and, and you, know, you know, sort of thinking your way and focusing your way through the pain. You always talk to me about muscle memory. Why? Because when muscle memory is extremely important because when you get into the heat of, of a battle or the heat of a moment and, and everything is on the line, part of your, your brain shuts down and you just pretty much react on instinct and on training. And if you have good muscle memory, your body's going to do what it needs to do to either get it out of itself out of the situation or make the appropriate actions and fight because and you don't even have to think about it because you've trained over and over and over again to do the same thing the same way. So it's thousands of hours of training for a few hours of perhaps of activity sometimes. Absolutely. But you have to do the thousands of hours so that instinct takes over. And again, folks, think about that in terms of a Christian. Um, think about the importance of the training as a Christian, as a soldier in Christ, to to um, to do the do the things you need to do. You have to bury yourself in the Word. You have to bury yourself in fellowship to get those things done. Now we're running low on time, Jonathan. Let's see if we can get this call in uh, before the, the hour is up. All right. Well, we have Dave. From Indiana. Good morning, David, and welcome to Christian Questions. Yes, good morning. Yes, good morning. In the uh, in the Bible, uh, you know, Christ started off with the uh, the twelve commoners he chose for uh, disciples, and he conquered the world from the bottom up. He didn't have a a, a king uh, dictating uh, orders from the top down that changed the world. But when you conquer the evil within, and you control that, you change your nature, and you change your character. Now now you are a changed person, um, and this is the power of, of the boot camp. It changes your nature. All right, Dave, thanks so much. Excellent thought. We appreciate your calling in. Um, and, and Jonathan, he's right. You know, it's a matter of changing your nature. And a Christian soldier, if you think about it, you know, Tim was talking about the mission of, of, of the Coast Guard and all, all branches of the military, for that matter. They have a mission to protect and defend our sovereignty and our freedom. The mission of a Christian is even bigger than that. It is, it, it is a bigger thing because it, it is a worldwide, eternal mission. And so, folks, we may not have the, the, the drill sergeant bearing down upon us. So what we need to do is is find the drill sergeant in our own focus and dis- discipline so that we can change, as Dave from Indiana was just saying. Jonathan, as we're wrapping up this segment, let's just quickly read 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, let's read verses 8 through 10. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, 
descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. So here, the Apostle Paul, now he did suffer physically for his Christianity. At this point in time, we don't, but he did. And that's an important thing to realize, is that would we be willing, would we be able, would we be focused enough to suffer the way someone like the Apostle Paul did? And and Jonathan, just read verse 11 as well. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we also will live with him. If we... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, just just pause there because we're almost out of time here. So, so the point is that we have to dedicate ourselves to the cause and become selfless. And Tim, that's been the the uh, the, the, the the main message that you've been giving from your personal experience serving in the Coast Guard. Absolutely, uh, self is not important. And just very quickly, I want to go back to boot camp. And folks, make sure you stay with us for the second hour because there's so much more to come on this. ChristianQuestions.com. Hit listen live if we're not on in your area. In boot camp. What was the only time they gave you off for? You had Sundays uh, off, um, and you were, at, at that point in time, you were allowed to have some sort of worship study if you wanted on Sundays. That's pretty much standard. So, again, the message there is that the, 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 the military realizes the spiritual part of every human being needs to be fed and nurtured so that the physical part of that human being can be called upon to do things that are very difficult and and very costly. Folks, we as soldiers of Christ need to be developing that spiritual part of our lives so that we can be true soldiers and be transformed. Stay with us for the second hour. There's so much more to come in terms of being a soldier with my son, Tim, here with us as we're calling in from Chesapeake, Virginia. For Jonathan Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back after the news and all that. But till then, what makes a true Christian soldier? We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. G.K. Chesterton once said, the true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what's behind him. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what is that topic for this morning? Well, Rick, our question is, what makes a true Christian soldier? And our theme text comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And we are talking about being a soldier, and uh, to do that, uh, I am actually calling in from Chesapeake, Virginia. Trish and I are down here for a a weekend. Uh, we're visiting with our son, Tim, and his wife, Sharon. And uh, Tim is actually serving in the United States Coast Guard at this point in time. He's been in the Coast Guard for six years. And so we thought it would be good to have a, a, a real live uh, military man on with us to describe what it's like to be in the military and the discipline and focus and teamwork that's necessary. So, Tim, thanks for being with us this morning. 
You're welcome. And Sharon, it's good to have you with us, too. She's sitting here quietly at the dining room table listening. Thank you. Um, so, Jonathan, as we get started with the second hour, and folks, listen, we'd love to hear from you if you have thoughts on being a soldier. Maybe you serve in the military. Maybe you know someone who, who does. Uh, maybe you have no connection to the military whatsoever, but you understand being a soldier in Christ. Uh, we'd love to Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. It's amazing so far the parallels of of what the experience being in the military really goes along with being a Christian soldier. And, and you know, the, the, the odd thing about that is Christianity is so passive, it's so non-aggressive when you think about it in so many ways. You're right. But yet we are fighting a battle and we need to understand what soldierhood is about to be able to fight that spiritual battle that we have to fight. So, folks, if you do have a thought, again, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, let's talk about armor. Uh, we're going to talk about some body armor in the scriptures, and then we're going to talk about what it's like to be armed uh, as, a, as a soldier uh, in this day. So let's start with Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. So in this scripture, the thing that jumps out at me is twice the apostle says, put on, doesn't just say put on the armor of God when you feel like it. He says put on the full armor of God. In other words, be fully protected because the battle that you're fighting, the enemy that you're fighting is bigger than you, stronger than you, faster than you, but you can overcome that enemy if you are properly armed. So, so Tim, let's talk about the experience of being protected uh, against adversity. Now, we don't need you to go into specifics of body armor and so forth, but obviously there are things that you have to put on literally to do your job. Absolutely. We have a specific, it's called a kit, and that has our, our body armor and there's other um, pieces of gear that we, we are required to wear, you know, for each mission, for each training evolution in order to make sure that, um, you know, we're safe if for some reason you fell in the water or that, you know, if something were to happen, your your vital organs are protected. So now that body, those that body armor that you wear, you, you always talk about you know carrying the pack, and the pack weighs about sixty pounds. Yeah, your your kit, which goes sits on on your chest and on your back, weighs uh, with 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 a full loadout is roughly about uh, sixty pounds. It can get a lot more than that, and again, other services I know carry a lot more than that. Um, every time they go on a mission. So you're not just, you know, running onto a, a, a field of confrontation or wherever it is you're going, but you're carrying 60-plus extra pounds, and that's what protects you. Yeah. So part of your conditioning, then, is to make sure that you're, you can carry that extra weight without feeling like you're carrying that extra weight. Is that is that what it boils yeah. down to? Yeah. You, I mean, it's always going to be there, and you talk to guys who've been on the team and all the services. It never gets any lighter. <laughs> but you just learn to deal with it, and you learn to, uh, if 
for it to be part of you when you go on a mission just becomes something that you deal with. So it doesn't get any lighter. No. And what a what a again what a great uh, what a great parallel because you know the body the body armor of Christ that we're that's spoken about. As a matter of fact, Jonathan, let's read the rest of that verse, Ephesians six verses fourteen to seventeen. Standing firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith which will, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So there is, the the scriptures use a very clear, um, vibrant physical detail to say you need to be armed in such a way and that armor that's described protects your whole body, protects your whole person. And uh, that the shield of faith, the shield specifically shown here is a great big shield that's used uh, for, for battling as a, as a unit, not as an individual. And I think that's kind of interesting. As a matter of fact, Jonathan, folks really need to go to Seek Your Rewind, the full edition at ChristianQuestions.com, uh, because this week's bonus material, which we're not going to be talking about on the program specifically, details the armor of God as it's listed here in Ephesians chapter 6. Yes, only at ChristianQuestions.com. Sign up for Seek Your Rewind, the full edition. So, uh, again, it's a free service. There is no obligation. You, you sign up, and you'll, you'll get that email with the link each and every week. And uh, also be able to see a few t- pictures of Tim, and I think there's a picture of Tim and Sharon in there as well, just saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, so, so, Tim, part of being armed is not only putting on your armor, but it's also being part of your unit, right? Absolutely. Why? Because um, you're... You can't do your job, or there's certain parts of the mission where you're going to be exposed to other threats, and you need your your teammates, your your guys in your team, to you know plate up for you, to you know be there to protect you while your back is to a possible threat or whatever it may be, in order to make sure that you're safe and you do the same thing from them. So again, you see the parallel. It's, it's a striking parallel that the 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 protection of one to another is important if you're a soldier, and it's also important that protection through fellowship is important one to another as soldiers in Christ. Let's talk a little bit about weapons. Now, look, I, if anybody knows me, you know I'm a pacifist. <laughs> but weapons are a necessary, necessary uh, tool in battling evil. Weapons uh, are, are necessary for a Christian. 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So one of the things about this text is it talks about um, we are not warring according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare spiritually are are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Again, and it's a spiritual battle. It's very different than a physical battle, but it works along the same lines. So, Tim, there's you have the defensive weaponry, the armor, if you will. Now, what about the offensive weaponry, and, and how does... We don't need to get into a lot of detail on it, but how does it work, and how does the team fit in with the offensive weaponry as well? Um, well, for us, 
the team is extremely important because when we enter a room or whatever it is, if you go in there by yourself, you have one weapon. And that's, you know, against maybe more than one threat. could be hundreds of threats. doesn't really matter. But one against many never works out. So we, we try not to fight fair and always go in there with teams so that you have somebody else with the same weapon system protecting you. Um, it's a necessary... I mean, some people say it's a necessary evil. It's not necessarily the greatest thing in the world, but unfortunately, with the type of job and the type of work that you do, there are those out there who mean to do you harm, and you need to protect yourself. Well, and they not only mean to do you harm, but in many cases, the kinds of battles that, that we face in the world today are, are, are people who mean to do just anybody they can harm. And again, that's not a fair fight. And, and so you need to... Somebody needs to stand up and say, not here, not now, not on my watch. And that's the value of our military. And, and the value of the Christian fight is the same thing, folks, because you think about it, who is our enemy? Our enemy is Satan. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to destroy us and therefore get hold on a greater hold that he already has on the world. Our job is to not let him uh, have victory. So we have to stand and we have to be willing to fight both defensively by protecting ourselves, but offensively. And you are much stronger in numbers than you are by yourself. Uh, that's why when Jesus sent the, uh, the disciples out to preach, he sent them two by two. He never sent them individually. That's why when the Apostle Paul learned, was called to go out and preach the gospel, he always took others with him because you need to have the backup and the support, whatever it is that you're doing and trying to accomplish. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, we have another scripture here. We don't have time to read it, but again, we're going to put this in the, in the, in Seeker Rewind, the full edition. A Christian is armed uh, when he knows what his purpose is. And this is going to be 2 Corinthians 5, 20 to 21, and then going on to 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 1 through 10. We don't have time to read that, uh, but again, we want that to be in the rewind. Uh, but Tim, just want to ask you real quickly here. In, in terms of being in the military and doing what you do, uh, obviously you have faith. What kind of role does that faith play in what you do? Faith is a interesting mix. It's hard sometimes to have faith when you're beaten down and you you're exposed to a lot of uh, evil. Um, but it plays a very important role because you know what you're fighting for and why you're fighting. Um, and a lot of other people that I've talked to in, in the Coast Guard and other services say the same thing, is that you have to believe in something, whether it's you believe in God or you believe in in the ideals that our country was set up or, or just your family. You believe in something greater than yourself, and that's really what will carry you through those times when it doesn't look like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. So faith, again, having a focused faith is important, and, and when your faith is, is um, clear in your own mind, then the strength becomes more clear to be able to fight against the difficult things that are, that are in front of you. 
And uh, I know you're you're in a different branch of the Coast Guard than you were originally. You were doing search and rescue missions, and and uh, the, there were some pretty harrowing stories, uh, you know, being on the high seas and chasing down uh, drugs and all those kinds of things. And 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 those are those things always happen at night. It seems right. Yeah. It never happens when it's nice and sunny and calm. <laughs> Not the way it works. And and they go on for hours and hours and hours and hours. Yep, average case is between eighteen to twenty hours, and they can last days, if not weeks, if depending on the size of the vessel. So you're you're out there, and you you have to all of the training, all of the mental focus, all of the physical focus has to bring you to a point of being able to conquer not only what's in, inside of you that would limit you, but it has to conquer the enemy as well. And that's the, that's the value of understanding what the military is in terms of us being Christians and understanding the value of our being true, strong Christian soldiers. You're listening to Christian Questions with Jonathan and Rick with our special guest Rick's son, Tim, currently serving in the Coast Guard. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian soldier? Coming up. What are the necessary intangibles when it comes to the heat of the battle, militarily and Christian fortitude? Do you know your enemy? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Rick's son, Tim currently serving in the Coast Guard. And our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian soldier? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, uh, as we have this conversation, it's, it's really kind of a unique approach um, to sit here with uh, with uh, someone who is serving in the military and just getting a sense of the, the real-life experience of, of the discipline and the focus and, and the fortitude that's necessary to really, truly be a good soldier and then transferring that to Christianity. Uh, we're going to be spending this segment talking about the heat of the battle and pursuit and, and what it is you have to be focused on and, and how you accomplish that. Uh, before we go to the phones, but Jonathan, let's read First Timothy chapter 6. Uh, verses 11 and 12. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Now that doesn't sound like uh, any kind of fighting, does it? (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) Then let's read the next verse. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. So you've got a sense of pursuing the, 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 the goodness of Christianity, godliness and faith and love and perseverance and gentleness, and then fight. Fight the good fight. It has to be both. You can't have one without the other. You can't be all just, wow, it's all wonderful to be a Christian. You have to stand up for something, and you have to be willing to fight hard against that which is against us. Jonathan, let's go to the phone. All right, well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Thank you. And thank you for your service, Timothy. Oh, thank you. We have Romans 7, 6. Now we are discharged from the law. We are slaves not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. The soldier gives up freedom to gain a greater freedom, the freedom to focus, the freedom to serve. The Christian soldier 
has the greatest freedom of all. 2 Timothy 2.4 No one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. The Christian's brother-in-arms is Christ. Since we know he loves us, we are free from serving ourselves to serve others. Galatians 5.13 For you were called to freedom, but through love became slaves to one another. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate your call. God bless you guys. Take care. Thank you. And uh, as usual, Randall, you know, puts a scriptural uh, focus on this and the idea that, uh, you know, we're fighting alongside of Christ. Christ is, is our head. He is our captain. And it's from him whom we take uh, our orders. So, so, Tim, I want to talk to you a little bit about the heat of battle or the heat of pursuit. Now, in, in, in the Coast Guard, it's not so much battle as it is pursuit. So what is it? How do you... You said that an average mission, you know, um, from from your previous experience was 18 hours plus. How do you stay mentally focused on what it is you have to do for all that time? I mean, especially it's in the middle of the night and you're on the water and the, the waves and the noise. And what, how do you do it? What do you, what goes through your head to keep yourself on track? Well, you have a job to do. Um, for me. I joined the service to do a mission, and I will do the mission. I'll do it to the best of my ability, and that means being able to deal with the long hours and long days. And you know, it, it's just it's part it's part of the job. And we are you know you become trained to deal with hardship because if you don't keep your focus, you know you may have detainees or people who were running narcotics or whatever the the case may be. Who are just waiting for you to make a mistake? Because you make a mistake, and you know they're not necessarily the nicest people. They may be really nice when when you get there, but you don't want to give them a chance to to harm you or to get away. So if you're not on your game, it can have dire consequences. All right now, and Jonathan, let's go down to the second to last scripture on this page: First Peter five eight and nine. Be of a sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So that's the same principle that Tim just talked about. He said that, you know, the enemy is waiting for you to make a mistake. The enemy is waiting for you to lose your focus. The enemy is just waiting for that one little opening where they can tip the scale and they can be have gain the advantage you can't let the enemy do that, and and the and that's why military training is so intense because it, it's it's you're trained to not give an inch so that your focus stays where it needs to be. Let's talk about focus and example. Second uh, Timothy chapter two verses fourteen to nineteen. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to ruin in the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. And Jonathan, uh, at the risk of getting a, um, a very, very uh, blunt here, uh, you know, when we're talking here about military and training, and, and folks, if, you, if you've never had experience with it, uh, now I haven't personally, but I, I, I have through my own son who's sitting here with me now, and I can tell you that it's a transformative activity. Over time, when I saw Tim go into boot camp and I saw him come out, he came out an entirely different man than he went in. When I saw Tim go through the experiences of actually being out on missions, 
he came out of those different still. When I saw him go into his last training session for this whole new unit he's working on and come out, he comes out even different still. And the point is, there's a continual growth that, that the, the military puts upon you. It says you have to grow. When we as Christians, now you hear, listen, listen carefully to this. When we as Christians, this scripture says, make sure that you don't wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of, uh, of the hearers. Stop your babbling. Stop your arguing about stupid little things and focus on the bigger picture. Because the, the arguing about stupid little things and making me right versus you right is useless. It doesn't get us anywhere. And, Tim, sometimes when you're on a, on a, on a mission, uh, you don't have the best job, right? No. Sometimes, uh, yeah, life, life is not good. It just it, it stinks. I mean, so you, you, you have the, maybe you have the, the, the lower mission, the sort of the support, support uh, uh, role rather than a lead role. And, and so does that mean you can sulk about it? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, you find that... You know, again, I'm still in training the unit I'm at now, but w- when I was on my previous unit, uh, we would go on a, on a boarding that lasted a couple of days, and we're having to search the entire ship. Somebody's got to be the guy that sits on security. And that may not be the most glamorous. You don't get to maybe find the narcotics or whatever it may be, but it ends up being one of the most important roles because you're holding security for the rest of your team in order to make sure that these individuals don't go somewhere they're not and hurt somebody or throw something overboard. So even the most menial of tasks in, individually has a huge role in, in, the, in the cogs and the weak of, of, of the, the, the mechanism that is the entire boarding procedure. If everything isn't in line, the, it doesn't work. It has to be, everything has to work together. Everybody has to do their own job. Absolutely. So within Christianity, folks, it's the same thing. And don't kid yourself. Just because we don't have a drill sergeant, like I said before, you know, looking over our shoulder and yelling in our ear, doesn't mean that we shouldn't act as though we do in terms of playing the role that we are called upon to play. Know your job. Do your job. You're listening to Christian Questions with Jonathan and Rick with our special guest, Rick's son, Timothy, which is currently serving in the Coast Guard. Our subject, What Makes a True Christian Soldier? And if you have a thought, give us a call at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And, Jonathan, let's go on to uh, another scripture, Second Timothy 4. Uh, 1 to 5. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and great with great patience and with instruction. Okay, with, and, and go ahead. So hang on, hang on there for a second. So, so in the scripture, again, this is the Apostle Paul talking to his spiritual son Timothy and saying, do your job, and then he reminds him of what his job is. Do your job. Your job is to preach. Your job is to be ready all the time. Your job is to reprove, rebuke, exhort, to be patient. It's, it's to give instruction. It's to provide leadership. That was Timothy's job, and the Apostle Paul is telling him, don't stop in anything. Do what you're called upon to do. You're a soldier in Christ. This is bigger than you are. Fight the fight. And, and let's finish up that verse. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, 
they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But, Go ahead. but you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Okay, so it comes down to doing your own job. Now, now, now Tim, let me go back to you. You know, we, we keep focusing on, okay, know your job and do your job. How do you handle it when maybe somebody who you're working alongside of is, is falling down on, on their job? What do you, what do, you do? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, I mean, it happens, and it, a lot of it has to do with why that job didn't get done or, or what had happened. I mean, um, if if it's somebody who just doesn't seem to care about their job or don't, doesn't really care about the mission and then makes mistakes based on just lack of focus, they have to be replaced. And it's a harsh thing to say, but, you know, the, the greater good for the team and for, for the for the job is to make sure everybody does their part. And there's going to be times where, where, where something happens, something doesn't go right, and it's out of your control. But it's understanding to be able to, what they teach us is to be able to adapt and overcome based on what you're faced with. Because you can have a, uh, a plan in front of you of this is what's going to happen, this is what we're going to do, and it never, ever <laughs> happens the way you plan it. So adapt and overcome is, is, is a good way to do that. So now, what if somebody is falling down on their job, not because they're lack, they have a lack of focus, but they're just, they maybe made a mistake, or, or they're just, they're trying and it just, it's not working well. I mean, how, how do you, how do you, what, what do you do with that? Well, you, you're, you're a team, so you pick up the slack where you have to. It's part of the job. You have to help one another, and they can't do it alone. So if, if one of your teammates has fallen down, you pick him up, and you help him, and you do it together. See, and, and, and folks, again, you have to see the incredible value of that mentality in, in the life of a Christian. It's a matter of we are doing this together. We are doing this together. Uh, Christ is our guide. We got to strength through God's Spirit, but we have to apply ourselves individually to the task at hand. And when maybe when I am weak in that application, not because I'm I'm slacking off, but I'm just happen to be weak, I need I need those around me to help and to pick up the slack, so that when I can be stronger, that will work for me as well. And 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 that is such a that, that there's such a clear cut picture in in the military that shows us. The, 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 the brotherhood. And, and, you know, Tim, when we, somebody like me, again, I have no personal military experience, but, you know, you see movies about the military and they always talk about a brotherhood. And, I mean, that's really, really, I mean, deeply, profoundly true, isn't it? Um, absolutely. I mean, I've been in the Coast Guard for, you know, about six years and, and doing the search and rescue mission in the units I've been at before, you know, you know uh, teamwork is important. Uh, and a very good friend of mine, told me that when I went to the unit that I'm at now that you're never going to experience anything like the brotherhood that you have when you're on a team. And it's absolutely correct. The guys that I work with now, even through training, you would do anything for without even a second thought. They told you you need to go somewhere. You don't need an answer why. You just go because you trust them with your life, with your family, because if you didn't, why would you put yourself in a dangerous situation with them? And you know that that is borne out not only in in the uh, in, in in the field of battle and the field of pursuit, if you will, but it's also borne out in in those who are left behind. Uh, and and let me use Sharon as an example here. She's you know she's your wife, and when you go away for a few months, she's left behind. But who are the the, the individuals in this area who 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 watch over her and take care of her? They're 
uh, spouses of the guys I've either been stationed with that are in the area or people I am stationed with. There's We have a very good network, uh, especially the unit I'm at now, that take care of each other, you know, because the the command, the structure understands that you're only as good as what you are back home, that if your family life is in peril, you can't do your job. So, again, it comes down to not just being the one who's out in the middle of the battlefield in the raging battle or in the big pursuit, but it's those who are behind in the support roles have the same fellowship and connection and brotherhood. That's what it means to be a soldier. That's what it means to be a Christian soldier. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Rick's son, Tim, currently serving in the Coast Guard. Our subject, what makes a true Christian soldier? Coming up, what happens when we as Christian soldiers face defeat? Does failure stop us in our tracks or do we humbly push through toward victory? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Rick's son, Timothy, currently serving in the Coast Guard. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian soldier? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And, Jonathan, as we go through this in our last segment here, we want to focus on defeat and victory a little bit. Um, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. And see, for the Christian soldier, that, to me, exemplifies the core of what drives us as Christian soldiers. We carry, we have a lot of things happen, and a lot of things go wrong, like Tim was talking about in the last segment in terms of missions and so forth, but we always carry about in the body the dying of Jesus. We, we, we keep that as our centerpiece. Because that's why we fight the fight. It's because of the, the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf and on behalf of the whole world. That's why we keep moving forward. And our strength comes directly from God through Jesus so we can continue to move forward on those things. And Rick, Rick, the, uh, Christian, the Christian enemy is more than just the devil. It's the world and its influence and it's our own weak flesh um, that we're desiring to do God's will and not our own. We're battling these three things constantly in the Christian walk. You're right, and and because it's a it's a three pronged battle, that is why it's so important to be fighting the battle alongside of others, and that's why fellowship is such an important thing uh, with with Christianity. So, Jonathan, as we go through and we we we, st- we talk a little bit about defeat, let's look at Psalm fifty one one through four. This is a classic scripture of having to have faced personal defeat. This is David after some of his great, great sins. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence, and blameless 
when you pass judgment. So David is David puts his sin and his defeat before God uh, is forgiven, and then he has the courage and the strength to get up and to fight on, and that's a great example for us as Christians. Now, now, Tim, what about defeat? Uh, what about your experiences with defeat? Have you had any? Uh, what's it like? What do you do to cope? What do you do to regroup? Defeat, I, I, I don't know. For me, and kind of what they teach us is defeat is not really an option. Um, you may falter, you may fail at one portion, but there is no such thing as defeat because when when people think about defeat, you think of you've lost and there's nothing you can do about it. You're defeated. Um, it's just a way that, uh, that you find that doesn't work. You just need to figure out another way to solve the problem because there is an answer. It just may not be the answer that you thought it was. Okay, so what you're saying is... <laughs> It kind of reminds me of uh, Captain Kirk in Star Trek. Remember how he how he cheated the the, the what whatever that test was called. Uh, you know, defeat is not an option. You're saying that defeat, if things don't go well and you end up on the wrong side of the issue, what you you label that as okay, that didn't work. We're we're not stopping. We're going to go at it again. We just have to do it differently. Absolutely, you need to adapt to the situation that you come to because you're going to have a you can have a perfect plan. But all of a sudden, you put in the human element, and all of a sudden, your plan does not go, and go the way it's supposed to. And now you found yourself on the wrong side, and you just have to make it work. So adapt and overcome. Absolutely. So that's how you deal with defeat from a, from a standpoint of a soldier. And, folks, the question is, is that how we de- deal with defeat as a Christian? Do we adapt and overcome? Do we rely on those who are of the same faith as us? to help us through it? Do we go to Christ uh, in prayer and, and, and put our defeats before him to say, I'm going to adapt and overcome, show me how. It's not my strength, it's your strength. Remember the Apostle Paul, when he was praying for the thorn in the flesh to be removed from him, it was he realized that his strength was perfected, God's strength, Jesus' strength was perfected in his own weakness. So defeat, therefore, is a time to adapt and overcome. Folks, if you have a thought, now would absolutely be the time, 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Out of the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. And again, folks, don't forget to check out Seeker Rewind, the full edition. It's available exclusively at ChristianQuestions.com. It is a free service. It is built around the Sunday morning broadcast that we do every Sunday for two hours, and it consolidates it for you, puts it in order, pictures, graphics, illustrations, makes it easy to understand. Free service, no obligation at ChristianQuestions.com. And, Rick, we have a great volunteer army that takes care of that wonderful service. Yeah, you know what, and, and we always call them a volunteer army, and it's true. These, you know what, Jonathan, everybody who works at Christian Questions, everybody is a volunteer. Nobody does this for, for dollars and cents. Everybody does it because it's a mission to, to get the gospel out, and we work together. And that's what makes this such a special endeavor here at Christian Questions, and we are so thrilled about that. And, and we're not going to read the scripture, Jonathan, because our time is going by, but Galatians 6, 1 to 5, talks about when someone falls down and falters. It instructs us to pick them up. And just like Tim was saying within the military context, pick them up, brush them off, and just let's, let's adapt and let's overcome. So, Tim, you know, what about, just briefly comment, being, being a Christian, being a believer in Jesus, and being in the military, how, how do those two things work together? 
Um, I've had this conversation with uh, a bunch of guys who uh, I work with who are also Christians, and it's a tough it's a tough distinction. It's a tough decision because you know a lot of times people Christianity being so passive, like how can you be in the military and be in a position to maybe take another life and still believe in God? Can you do it? And absolutely, you can. Um, I, you know, you have you have three types of people. You have your your sheep, your sheep dogs, and and your wolves. You know, your sheep is your average person who doesn't really want to deal with the evil of the world. Your 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 wolves are your your bad people, your bad guys. And then you have your sheep dogs, which are part wolf, and they kind of walk that fine line. And the sheep doesn't like them until they need them. <laughs> They're the cops, you know, the the rescue workers, the soldiers, and. To work that fine line, if you have a good moral standing and you believe in something bigger than yourself, you can make those decisions for the right reasons. Uh, and, and so it comes down to why are you making the decisions? And, and you, you said during the break that you, know, you don't make a decision just because it's cool. You have to have something stronger behind it to really last and make this something very meaningful. So let's talk a little bit about victory. We talked about defeat. And let's talk a little bit about victory here as we're wrapping up here. Victory is not simply a final outcome. See, victory is also achieved daily through a continuous fight for what's right. And, Tim, you've been talking about that uh, as we've gone through this entire program. Jonathan, let's go to Philippians three twelve to 14. Let's read that whole thing. Now that I have already obtained this or have not, uh, let's start that again, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And Tim, that sounds a lot like what you've been talking about. Obviously, that's a, a complete spiritual application, but you haven't reached the goal yet. You're, you're, you keep pressing on to make it your own, to, to be more conformed to what it is your mission. And here, this is talking about the goal for the prize of the heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Obviously, that is the mission of the Christian soldier, is to get there and is to fight against the evil of, of Satan in our lives, in, in, like you said, Jonathan, in the world of flesh and the devil, and to be faithful, footstep followers of Jesus. That's our mission for the purpose of blessing the entire world. Tim, what about victory? How, how is it that, what, what do you do to, when things go well, what, what's the process of embracing victory? Is it high fives and ho, 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 or what? <laughs> well, I mean, when you have a, you know, I just came from school, when you have what's called like a good run or, or, or things go well, you know, it's a great, you know, you congratulate your, your, your team, like, hey, man, that, that went well. All right, but you go back to the drawing board, like, okay, this worked well, but this didn't go as well as we would have liked it. Let's try something different. Victory is 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 not a final. It's, it, it, there's nothing finite about victory because there's always going to be another threat. There's always going to be another foe. And if you um, don't keep moving forward, then you're losing, you, you lose your edge. So victory is, okay, this is what works. Let's make it better. All right, so victory then, like I just said before, is, is a stepping stone toward another step. It's not something to sit back and say, okay, it's over. You know, and that's the interesting thing. In, in sports, the season begins and the season ends. And when the season's over, everybody goes home for a while. But in, in the military, where you are, the season never ends. Yeah. And, folks, if you're a Christian, 
honestly, if you're a true follower of Christ, the season never ends. And if you're a true follower of Christ, you never take the uniform off. You are focused on accomplishing uh, the will of God through Christ. That's your main job. Jonathan, let's go to 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not me only, but also all who have loved his appearing. So here the Apostle Paul has reached the end of his life, and only now does he reflect back on his life and say, you know what, it's been a run, and I have fought the fight, and, I've, and I, I have been faithful. The Apostle Paul could look back at his years and years and years and years and years of service to Christ and say, henceforth is laid up for me a crown of glory. You know, he was tired, he was beaten down, but he was not defeated. So Tim, final thoughts on your, your, your service in the military uh, and, and, and the most important things and, and what it means to you. That's a big question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the biggest thing is is understanding that the cause is greater than you and knowing that the guys next to you are more important. And if everybody has that mentality and you strive for greatness every day through mental pain and physical anguish and you work together, you can accomplish things that you never even imagined. So it really comes down to the cause is bigger than you, the guys around you are more important than you. You're a part of something. You're a small part of this great big machine that if every part plays its part, there can be an incredible uh, an ultimate victory um, that we generally uh, aren't going to necessarily see. Uh, Maybe you won't see in your tenure of service, but you're contributing to that overall. Absolutely. We are all just a part of something greater. And the more we strive, the more we make it better for those who will come after us to continue the mission, to continue the job. Tim, thanks so much for being with us. This has been this has really been terrific. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful experience for me, not only to, to sit here with somebody who has military experience, but to sit here with my own son, uh, whom I am so proud of for what, what you do and how you do it and the man that you've become. I'm telling you, you know, folks, there's nothing greater in life for a father than watching his son grow up. I'll tell you that. It's just an amazing thing. So thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Great job. Jonathan, let's finish up with Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Do you know how, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. So, hang on, hang on. This this scripture is, is focusing on the great power of God in our lives and how he can give strength where there was no strength. Now finish the verse. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So what this scripture is saying, folks, is even those who serve in the military get weak and tired. But those that wait upon the Lord for the mission of serving Christ are given spiritual strength, and they will mount up with wings as eagles, and they will run and not be weary, and the victory can be ours 
if we dwell in Christ. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We've enjoyed being with you today. We hope you've enjoyed being with us. Much more to come next week. Stay with us uh, for that. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. What makes a true Christian soldier? Till next week, 